Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo. I think everyone can agree that knowledge is power. You don't know what you don't know, as they say. That's why we think this radio show is such a great idea. It's a way to educate our community about things that are going on, to share what some great organizations and people are doing to make this community of ours a better place, more caring, more compassionate. Who doesn't want that, right? So let's educate. Let's talk about the great things going on, but let's also tackle some of the more challenging and maybe not so pretty things that are also going on. How can we do that? By sharing and educating. We hope that a love of learning becomes contagious. You know, when you see or hear that people and organizations are committed to making a difference, you want to make a difference too? That's what we're talking about. As I said, there's a lot of really great things going on in our community and wonderful people who are making those great things happen. But as in all parts of the world, we also deal with things that are perhaps a bit more challenging. That's just part of living in this world. And it's not something that we should shy away from. Instead, we should seek to understand, educate ourselves on topics we may be unfamiliar with. I think mental health issues can be one of those topics. There's been a lot of talk lately about it and how it's affecting all generations, all demographics. Today we'll be talking with a nonprofit organization who helps adults coping with mental health issues find a sense of community by offering several educational and employment opportunities so they can lead a full and satisfying life. And then we'll talk about a program Rogers Memorial Hospital has in place for people facing mental health and addiction challenges. My first guest today is Rachel Foreman, Executive Director and Founder of Grand Avenue Club. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. We're happy to have you here today. You know, you talk about the reality that um, mental illness is often associated with a stigma of sorts and that it's not, uh, it's easily misunderstood. Is that why you thought it was important to start a nonprofit to kind of dispel these incorrect assumptions and offer opportunities in education for people who cope with mental illness? Yes, um, in early in the early nineties, um, we were seeing the aftermath of what's called deinstitutionalization. Many people were released from long term uh, habitation in psychiatric hospitals, and they really didn't have a lot to do. They faced a lot of stigma in the community. Um, that would be the the um, ideas that people had about them, some of which were not true. They were assumed to be dangerous. They were assumed that they could, it was assumed that they could not work and so forth. And that was very problematic. So uh, in the early 90s, a group of people got together from throughout the community and created Grand Avenue Club, sought the funding for it from the public sector, and then also found some wonderful private citizens who supported the project. And that's how we developed Grand Avenue Club. So how did you get involved? Well, I was working um, at a very traditional social service agency doing some very important and traditional things like case management, psychotherapy, and so forth, and running groups. And I was asked to go to a conference on uh, the clubhouse model of psychiatric rehabilitation. I went to the conference. I was very excited about what I learned and then got together with a group of people from throughout the community to develop Grand Avenue Club. Okay. So you you talk about the uh, Grand Avenue Club, mm-hmm. quote unquote. It's it's not a uh, 
it's an organization that requires membership, correct? Yes. How does that how does that work? Well, despite the recreational connotations of the term club, we usually think of it as a place where people hang out and have fun together. Those are the clubs that many of us belong to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually a very serious place. Um, our only message to the many people who live throughout our community with mental illness, people who struggle with mental illness, is we need you here to help run this place. So the clubhouse community is run by members and staff working together. What does that mean? It means we do all the administrative work together. We publish newsletters. We greet people and help them become members. We have a culinary unit that does a great deal of catering. We have a lending library. We do a lot of speaking out in the community. And then as we get to know our members, we are able to offer them jobs in the community, pay employment with quality employers, or we offer them the opportunity to go back to school or to go to school for the first time at post-secondary institutions such as MATC and UWM. Wonderful. So you have partnerships yes, of sorts. Yes, that's with, a very with... important word for us. Thank you. Yes, indeed. Okay. Um, so uh, as far as unemployment rates, you know, we talk about unemployment rates in Wisconsin. We've talked about them in a past show, and we actually had two nonprofits featured that were helping the unemployed and special needs community. You shared that the statistic that 85% of people who face the challenge of a serious mental illness are unemployed. So how is Grand Avenue Club helping to lower that percentage? Well, we have um, lowered that percentage uh, considerably at Grand Avenue Club. Um, About half of the people who come to us at Grand Avenue Club, about 50% of them, go on to jobs in the community with quality employers. The wonderful thing about, one of the wonderful things about Grand Avenue Club is we help people get ready for work. Many people isolate, many people do not leave their homes, are not engaged with other people, and don't have the confidence to just go go out and look for a job. So they come to us, they begin working at at Grand Avenue Club with us, their confidence grows, and then we say to them, what about working for one of our employers? We have some good jobs in these places. How can we help you? If they need help with a resume, we help with a resume. If they need help with interviewing, we'll help them with interviewing. We also have a very unique program called Transitional Employment, whereby people with either no or a very sporadic work history can access good part-time jobs in the community as a first step. Okay. Now, are you guys open every day of the week? I mean, how, what? Yes. Yes, we are. We're open 365 days a year. Aside from our work order day or pre-vocational experiences that we offer, we have the employment program. We have a supported education program, as I mentioned. And we also have a lot of fine recreational cultural programming. We're open on all holidays, including Christmas um, and Thanksgiving. And we are also open uh, on the weekend. We have an art studio. We have the opportunity to make music with friends, we show films, we do, uh, we cook every seven days a week. So it's really also a place where you can find friendship, find companionship, find support for who you are, and recognize that you're not alone in the world. That many people struggle with mental illness, very many people struggle with mental illness. Maybe one out of four is the latest statistic that we have. And you will meet people who came to us last year or the year before who 
who are now working, feeling good about themselves, feeling good about their lives. We even have a couple of marriages that came about, good marriages. Oh, wow. That came about because somebody sat down next to somebody else at lunch and they became friends and eventually they married. So we take some credit for those marriages. (laughs) But we also have many, many friendships. Many people are just good to each other, spend time with each other, uh, both at the club as well as outside of the club. Our message is that you don't have to be alone in your life. Mm. And that's an important message for all of us, but especially for people who have a tendency to isolate. Okay. Now, talking from an unemployment perspective, you're saying that anybody that is a member of the club gets to participate in some way in in different ways. Now, you had talked to me before about a newsletter or doing tours for visitors, you know, raising funds, selling lunch tickets, operating a member's bank, you know, Mm -hmm. all different things that can be done. There's a place for everybody. Yes, indeed. There's a place for everybody. Everything that members do is voluntary. Nobody is forced to do something that they don't want to do that they're not interested in. By the same token, we see ourselves, we see the clubhouse and staff in particular as talent scouts. So you may come, a member may come to us, someone may join our club and not be aware that they are very good at writing the newsletter or running the library or uh, preparing delicious meals. And then we will say to them, hey, you're doing a great job. Have you ever thought about working in one of our restaurants? Mm -hmm. Not our restaurants, but fine restaurants, good restaurants in the downtown area. And that person may say to us and often does say to us, Uh, You think I could do that? And then we say, yes, we think you could do that. You're finding a talent and nurturing it. Exactly, precisely. We're finding a talent and we're nurturing it. That's awesome. I understand that you're looking to open a resale boutique. We certainly are. That's our latest project. In response to some of our members' desire to have experience with retail management and selling and also their great sense of fashion, we are going to be opening the Water Street Boutique right next to our clubhouse, right on Water Street at 610 Water Street. And when is that looking to happen? I think it's going to happen in early November. We're waiting for for the permit to do do business, uh, I think, early November. Great. Well, that's exciting. Yes. So we all know how important it is to feel like we belong and needed to be part of a family. Stay tuned to hear more about what the Grand Avenue Club is doing to welcome new community members into their family. We'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Rachel Foreman, Executive Director of Grand Avenue Club. So again, we all know, or we should know anyway, how important it is to feel like we belong somewhere. Grand Avenue Club is helping its members professionally, certainly, with career development and job placement. But is Grand Avenue Club all work and no play, Rachel? Not at all. Um, Grand Avenue Club is actually a lot of fun on weekends and holidays and some evenings. And But we provide people with the opportunity to actually learn more about themselves through art, through music, uh, through writing. Uh, our members also publish a literary magazine every December. So there's lots of cultural opportunities. We take trips in the community. We uh, go up to a retreat center, which is north of Milwaukee once a year in the summer. We call it our summer 
vacation. It is 24 hours long. Um, we celebrate holidays in a very, very big way. And the really nice thing about the way in which we celebrate is that we don't feel that we are staff providing social services to members. We involve our members in everything. They themselves are, they're not psychiatric patients, they're not clients of a social service agency. Their interests become the substance of the fun and the things that we do together. Like a family. Like a family. And also, I was very surprised uh, after we started Grand Avenue Club and then we became interested in art and we asked how many of you do art i was very surprised at the number of people who actually do art who who paint and sketch and work with clay and so we created an arts program for them and that has been going strong since 2006 i imagine it's very therapeutic and it's therapeutic it's fun and um to be very honest with you it is very very fancy so for example we do opening nights for our art shows and I distinctly remember a board member who was very involved in the arts turning to me and saying Rachel, we could be at a gallery on Madison Avenue. And I said, oh, that is the highest compliment. Let's tell everybody that. Because it's not explicitly therapeutic. It's therapeutic in the sense that when, we have, when we're enjoying our lives, it's therapeutic. Yes. But it is actually real. And um, again, we have some very talented people at Grand Avenue Club. And I think that's another, you know, I think that's another thing, to, uh, aspect of our members' lives that we should emphasize. They're not a series of problems. They're not a series of inadequacies. They're very talented people who have a great deal to contribute and give to this society. And then we talk again on this show about collaboration and, and bringing together of resources. And it, it sounds like that's what you're doing. I mean, you've got talented, a talented group of individuals that you're trying to say, okay, these are their talents. Let's go find an organization that is looking for somebody mm-hmm. with that talent and marry those two. Exactly. And and it's a win-win for both. Um, it sounds like you got a lot going on, don't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, let's say our listeners would be interested in Grand Avenue Club membership or in encouraging someone else to become a member. What should they do? Well, I think the best thing to do would be to go to our website, which is, as you could predict, www.grandavenueclub, avenue spelled out, dot org. Um, Their listeners or anyone that they think might won't be interested in membership will find an application. Um, Fill out the application and we will be in touch with you within one week. The person that uh, will be in touch with you might be another member, a member of our membership team. We'll talk with you about your goals and plans. Um, Our hope is that we can help the potential member. And if that is the case, you will be admitted to membership and we need your help. That That's very important message. Okay. And again, it's grandavenueclub.org. Exactly. Okay. Um, what about other accredited clubhouses? Well, there are four accredited clubhouses uh, here in Wisconsin. Um, we're fortunate to have uh, in Wausau, we have Community Corner. That's the name of their clubhouse. Uh, Manitowoc has Painting Pathways. And in Madison is the first clubhouse in Wisconsin, Yahara House. Um, in Waukesha, there's a very wonderful little clubhouse called Spring City Clubhouse. They are not yet accredited by Clubhouse International, which does all the accreditation. 
Dolphins, but they are well on their way. They're well-intentioned. They have the values of a clubhouse, and they're working toward toward accreditation. And they're very good friends of ours. We've been proud to have them want to come to Grand Avenue Club to see what we're doing so that they can create a similar program here in Waukesha. So if a, if uh, someone is into interested in in membership or reaching out or being in uh, getting in contact with some of these other accredited clubhouses they should start with you start no, with Grand no, Avenue Club they can I mean I don't I don't have the email I don't have the uh, websites for them but they okay. should start at those clubhouses the other thing that we're not only looking for members we are looking for members all of us are looking for members but if there's an employer who's listening who might have job opportunities for us we'd be delighted to hear from you and I'm speaking for my colleagues in the other clubhouses as well. Um, I would say our most important partnerships are with the quality employers who are willing to give our members a chance, a chance who have been well served by them. Our people are productive, they're hard workers, they're reliable. And uh, those, those business people have really uh, been at the center of the success of Grand Avenue Club. And you have uh, quite a few well-known employers, correct? Um, like, who, who are some of the people that you're dealing with? Well, we work at the Troubadour Bakery at Collectivo. We work at Foley and Lardner. We work at Durco Aerospace. We're involved. At, we have jobs at the Renaissance Child Development Center. We have people working throughout the pick-and-save stores and Metro Market. Uh, we have two wonderful downtown restaurants uh, where members are working. Uh, one is called Color Palette. The other one is called uh, 600 East. We have a member who uh, came to us, didn't know that he liked to cook, came to our culinary unit, was so, liked cooking so much that he went on to the culinary arts program at MATC and is now working at a brand new restaurant uh, called The Diplomat on Brady Street. Oh, that's exciting. So it is very yeah. exciting. Yes, we're very proud of him. And um, we hope to have more employers. We're always doing uh, employment development. Well, and a shout out then to those employers, because that, again, talks or speaks to that collaboration effort. You know, they have jobs available. You have individuals wanting jobs. And so let's it's bring win -win. those two together. It's exactly. a win-win. It's a win-win. Yeah. So you talk briefly about how listeners can be helpful to your efforts. But what are what are some other areas where where you are looking for help? Volunteers, perhaps? Yeah, we're, we're open to volunteers with special interests. Um, if anything that, I, that I've said about our programming has evoked listeners' concerns and interests, uh, we'd love to hear from those people. We um, we do we do several fundraisers a year. We have a winter appeal coming up in November and uh, December. Um, we usually tell the story of a very successful member each year, and then some people respond to that, which we're delighted about. We need private support. We also do a major event uh, at the Pfister Hotel in June, and it's kind of an ongoing effort to bring all kinds of support to Grand Avenue Club. I do believe we don't use the term public-private, uh, you know, project that much anymore, but I do believe we are one of this area's most successful public-private uh, endeavors uh, in the area of mental health support, support for people with mental illness. Mm, that's wonderful. Uh, one more time, the website and telephone number maybe that people can call? Sure. Um, it is www.grandavenueclub.org. The telephone number is... 414 276 6474.
Okay. Thank you, uh, Rachel, for sharing about this great community resource called the Grand Avenue Club. Thank you for all you do for uh, working with people that uh, are coping and struggling with mental health issues. Um, Thank you for this wonderful opportunity. You're certainly welcome. Um, We've heard about an organization that offers a sense of community outside of a healthcare facility to adults who face mental health challenges. What about resources available within a healthcare facility? Stay tuned to hear more about what Rogers Behavioral Health System has to offer. We'll be right back. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm the Director of Community Outreach. My next guests are Sue McKenzie and Sarah Reed. Sue is the director and Sarah is program lead for Rogers In Health and Wise program, which is the Wisconsin Initiative for Stigma Elimination. Thanks so much for joining us today, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Many people are probably familiar with Rogers Memorial Hospital, but help us all understand what the In Health Wise program is. Sure. So Rogers Memorial Hospital provides um, care for people with mental health and addiction challenges. And of course, people that face those challenges also face stigma. And so about six years ago, the leadership of Rogers decided that they wanted to support stigma reduction efforts in our community. And so InHealth is the stigma reduction arm of Rogers Behavioral Health System. Okay. And then the... uh Rogers Memorial Hospital is actually part of a bigger. Well, we refer to ourselves as Rogers Behavioral Health. Yes, okay. yeah, but it is it is the three hospitals that people are familiar with in Oconomowoc and West Allis and Brown Deer and all the other programming that goes along with those hospitals. Okay, mm-hmm. so you shared uh, your shared mission at In Health and Wise is to increase inclusion and support for people facing mental health and addiction challenges, uh, similar to what Grand Avenue Club is doing, right? Exactly. And Grand Avenue Club, it just does it in such a wonderful way. I feel like all of us could learn from them. I, I think about families with people who face challenges and imagine if their loved one could feel included and supported in all areas of life, as Grand Avenue Club does with all their different members an awesome place. What we try to do through Rogers In Health, and actually we are staffed to a larger collaboration called WISE um, that is statewide that involves many organizations, um, Mental Health America, NAMI, Wisconsin Family Ties, statewide organizations and local organizations that are working to reduce stigma. We come together at WISE to figure out what's the best way to do that? What does the evidence show us? But then what does that look like at the local level? And so we, our members, are learning together, kind of like a think tank, what works best. Okay. And what is part of that process? I mean, do, do people tell their stories? Do they? Um... Sure. So, so when we first started doing this work with our many partners across the state, we probably would have told you that what people need is education and awareness about mental health challenges. But what we've learned is just knowing signs and symptoms of mental health challenges um, doesn't touch us in those daily decisions of how we treat people. And so stigma reduction is very different. And what research has 
led the way in showing that is when we have relationships with people that we begin to let go of the labels and focus on their full humanity. And so I may tell you that I live with a mental health challenge, but I'm also a mother and I work full time and I'm going to be a grandmother. Those kinds of things allow you to see my humanity and increase your likelihood of including me in your life, in your committee, in your church, in your workplace. Yeah, it starts with the relationship, right? Absolutely. It makes everything else yeah. just flow and, from there. And stories help us yeah. build relationships. So does sharing one's story seem, that seems like a tough thing to do, right? I mean, does does someone risk potential public ridicule or hidden discrimination that might happen if they share those aspects of their life? Absolutely. That is the unfortunate reality. It's almost a catch-22. We know having meaningful contact with people works, but then facing stigma and discrimination and those potential consequences can really be an impediment to having people do so. And you can experience stigma in many facets of your life. It's not, it doesn't exist in a vacuum. It can be from family, friends, your church community, your spouse, your neighbor, organizations, treatment providers even. Um, And so it's not often sharing your story once, right? You're making a decision day in and day out in the different settings of your life in different relationships as to what is the best choice for you at that day and time. So do you help these uh, individuals learn how to tell their story? I mean, do you practice it? Is it... um you know, because not everybody knows how to tell an effective effective story and how to articulate their message. So are you helping, coming alongside these people to help them accomplish that? For some people, our program, it's referred to as Honest, Open, Proud, and it is an internationally known program, and it helps people make choices as to whether sharing their stories is a wise choice for them. And so we walk them through a decision-making process to determine whether or not they want to share, what the pros and cons of talking about their experiences are, and if they do decide that they would like to share their story or even part of their story, how to do so safely. So how to make smart choices about who to tell, when to say something, how to respond to um, the responses that you'll hear. So do you guys have stories of stories? I mean, do you have like stories to share um, about the effectiveness of this Honest, Open, Proud program? Absolutely. We actually have a library online of recovery stories that we've collected at rogersinhealth.org. People from all walks of life struggling with various mental health challenges, talking not only about their challenges, but also what has helped them to live life to the fullest and to be the best version of themselves they can be. And we would urge you to check it out. It's incredibly empowering to see that recovery is possible. I imagine. And and stories are so effective, you know, to know that they are, uh, that there's a, a database, if you will, of stories that you can go and, and You know, one to. of the things that I, that we have found and the Honest Open Proud program addresses is Um, while I'm making a decision about whether I'm going to talk about my own experiences, I also need to step back and think about the story I've been telling myself about my experiences because sometimes what we call self-stigma or internalized shame is the thing that I really need to work on myself. I I don't want to go out and tell the world my story from a place of I am less than. And so I I do some work and we do work with, with people who face these challenges to help them to understand that Honestly, facing challenges is what brings wisdom, 
and the world needs more people sharing the reality of the wisdom they gain from their challenge. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, I, th- I would think that's very therapeutic, you know, mm-hmm. to go through that process yeah. and without holding it in. Absolutely. And I think a part of what we do when walking them through how to develop a story is recognizing those hurtful self beliefs that have developed and weeding them out of their story because that is what is most effective in sharing your story. It's sharing your resilience, your recovery, your strength, um, and connecting with others and showing them that it's possible for them as well. So is it fair to say then that the stigma not only exists outwardly but inwardly as well? Um, Where do you see the stigma playing out and then how does this WISE program address it? So um, if you ask people with lived experience of challenges where they've um, felt that we're treated less than, it's, it's places like schools, um, workplaces, the very people they reach out to for support, so within healthcare, and, and that's not surprising because that's where we interact with people day in and day out. Um, and so the work of WISE is not only to work with people who have the experience, but also to work with the helping people in our communities to help them to understand um, how their behavior is impacting others and maybe why they're acting that way. Oftentimes we get into professions with a whole lot of compassion and things happen that make us pretty tired throughout the day and we may be acting in ways that aren't the person we want to be. So we help people to understand that rather than shame and blame people. Mm, Yeah. It certainly sounds like we we all need to be exercising some compassion here. (laughs) We can all be practicing using a little bit more of that every day. Um, So how do we go about bullying uh, or building a compassionate culture for people with mental health challenges? Stay tuned, and we'll be right back to learn how. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group, and I'm your host, Jill Economo. I'm sitting here talking with Sue McKenzie and Sarah Reed from Rogers InHealth Wise program. We talk a lot on this show about passion, but what about compassion? One might think that we're either born with a compassionate spirit or we aren't. I'd, I'd like to think that we all have it, but it's a muscle we all need to continue to build, right? Let's all have a plan to flex our compassion muscles a little bit more in all areas of our lives, shall we? So share with us how the In Health Wise program builds a compassionate culture. So one aspect of helping to build a compassionate culture is to address the environment in which we live. Oftentimes people anticipate stigma, and so it's hard to reach out and connect and ask for help and get support. And so we've developed a safe person decal, And it is a way to display that you want to be a safe, supportive, helpful person for somebody who's struggling, be it with a mental health challenge or otherwise. So by decal, I mean it's a sticker. And it it conveys that you want to be there for somebody in their time of need. And it also shows different um, promises that you make if you want to be that person. So I will see that you reaching out is a sign of uh, strength. I will listen non-judgmentally. I will keep your confidentiality. 
I will, um, I will, I will be there to help try to connect you to sources of support. And so we give these out free of charge. And I think at this point we've given out over thirty thousand of them across the state. And you can order them actually at safeperson.org. Wow! Wow! That sounds like a great plan. Yeah. So, so give us some examples, though, if you can, of how this focus on compassion has helped over and above the the uh, stickers that you were talking about. Right. So the, there's the decals, and that's that's really for all of us to continue to learn what it means to be a compassionate listener. And then we also deal very specifically with those helping um, organizations. So we think about schools, and we are asking teachers all the time to um, be able to include and support all children, regardless of what they bring from their life to the classroom. And we know that for some teachers and some combinations and some years, it's very difficult for them to be the person they want to be as an educator, as a compassionate person with students. And so we have a program called um, Compassion Resilience, and they're actually toolkits. So we've worked with the Department of Public Instruction on the school's toolkit. Again, it's a free resource. People can go online. There's 12 segments to this resource. We look at it as a culture change in schools, and we think about it as a two-year process of conversations that adults in schools can be having about um, how they respond to children, how they manage to stay in a place of compassion, um, what does fatigue look like so they can be aware when they're starting to get out of that place of compassion. And then we we look at kind of the organizational issues of, um, you know, when I have clear expectations of myself, they're realistic expectations, when I know how to set boundaries around me so that I'm doing my role and not trying to do other people's role because I'm unsure what they're up to, um, when I'm able to say what's okay and not okay in a way that is compassionate versus um, putting people off, um, when my team of teachers, when we all are kind of working towards the same culture together, um, then I'm building a culture of compassion in the school. But there's also some things that I can do individually to keep me in that place of compassion. So this toolkit offers both organizational strategies and individual strategies. And we're working with schools to train facilitators to offer this program in schools. Um, we also have a health and human services toolkit. So, you know, we know that uh, organizations that provide services to people in need – those are, as I call, those are the walk-on-water jobs of our community, and what are we doing to help people to stay in a place of compassion in the very complex work that, that, we, that we do? And it's been very fun. I have one quick story I can share with you of yes, um, a youth-serving agency leader who was a part of a cohort of youth-serving agency leaders from Milwaukee. And the first thing that we did with them, we went on a day-and-a-half retreat, and we really delved into these concepts. And she didn't come back to our next half-day session. We were wondering what happened to her. Well, it turns out that just that opportunity to step back and think about her own well-being and her ability to serve others, which was really her passion, she realized that her physical health was in such poor shape that she needed to take that seriously. So she didn't come to the next session because she was working to bring her physical health up to a level that she was going to be able to continue to do her very important work. And she she says, had I not been offered the opportunity to step back and realize that 
I would have just continued to work at a much lower level of compassion, trying to to keep pushing forward. Mm-hmm. And so she's now um, in a healed place physically, and and knows the strategies to keep herself in the game with high levels of compassion. And you know, I, I said before, knowledge is power. We don't know what we don't know, and so this toolkit that you're talking about is a great form of education. And you know, you guys have a lot of. of uh, stories that can support that, which is awesome. Um, so what would you say to our listeners is your call to action? And, and what are some different opportunities for impact? So I, I think um, we all we all probably can wear all, uh, these hats, right? We all face challenges. So first of all, I think about the Honest Open Proud program. I've faced challenges in my life. How do I talk about them? So you, you can go onto wisewisconsin.org and access that. So you can think about your own challenges and how you speak about them from a place of resilience. You can think about your role in other people's lives. How do I show up compassionately for my family members, my friends, my coworkers? Safeperson.org, which also can be accessed through Wisconsin, wisewisconsin.org. That decal on the seven promises. It's a way to kind of check in with yourself. Am I offering the safe environment that I would like to offer? Um, so kind of like a little self-test. How am I doing on those seven promises? And then you can think about going a little deeper into I really want to consistently show up with compassion. And the Compassion Resilience Toolkit kind of helps people to take that journey over a couple-year process. Lots of neat links to videos and resources and um, you can do it as an individual. We really suggest you do it as teams because we're all better when the people that we're surrounded with are a part of that. We're in the process right now of um, finishing up a, a toolkit for parents. You know, we hear over and over again, here's parents hanging in there trying to do the best job they can for their children who are facing challenges and who's helping the parents to identify their own fatigue and how to set boundaries and realistic expectations and care for themselves. Wow, there's there's a lot of good information here. Do you guys consider doing like lunch and learns for corporations? Absolutely. We we that's what we do. We do training for organizations and we train facilitators so people can take these resources and run with them themselves. Okay. Because we have our education center at Ellen Becker Investment Group where we hold all kinds of educational uh, seminars and and just various things that are open to the public. And so we'll have to talk some more. Maybe we can put together some kind of program, uh, again, for uh, educational purposes, uh, because there's so many good things uh, here to learn from. Can you just quickly go through those websites again and maybe a phone number in case our listeners um, need that information, maybe a Facebook page or website? Sure, sure. So number one is wisewisconsin.org. They'll link off to a lot of those. But if you want to just go directly to one of those resources for the safe person, it's safeperson.org, where you can get the decals sent to your house for free. The seven promises are there, a couple of neat little video clips. And then compassionresiliencetoolkit.org would be for organizations, really of any kind. I'm actually doing a training for a library system because you've got librarians who um, are trained to give out books and check them back and give out fines. And you have people who go to libraries because they're safe places. Mm-hmm. I can be anonymous. We need a connection between the people that work there and the people that come in the doors. Collaboration. Yeah. So we've been talking about, well, yep. we appreciate all the resources you shared today, ladies, and we wish you well on continuing to develop all these great programs. 
Uh, I want to thank all my guests today, Rachel Foreman from Grand Avenue Club and Sue McKenzie and Sarah Reed from Rogers. Thank you for all you do to bring awareness and education to mental health issues in our community. We'd like to, if you'd like further information about the people or the organizations we talked to today, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com or call our office at 262-691-3200. You can visit our website at ellenbecker.com and listen to the podcast. And you can also ask Alexa by simply saying, Alexa, play WISN AM 1130. Or you can tune in via the iHeartRadio app. So join us again in two weeks as we talk with other inspiring guests who will share information about how they're having an impact and making a difference regarding issues that affect our community. We hope that you'll feel a connection with a local nonprofit and make it a goal to make a difference in some way. Find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Have a great weekend.